This is Find Your Daily Calm. I'm Sel Gaston. Welcome. Today, you will hear my son Enzo read a portion of his favorite book, The Little Prince, or Le Petit Prince, by French poet and writer Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. We hope you enjoy as well as find calm in this portion of the book as much as my son Enzo enjoyed it when he was still a wee little boy. He found himself in the neighborhood of the asteroids 325 Ah, here is a subject, exclaimed the king, when he saw the little prince coming, and the little prince asked himself, How could he recognize me when he had never seen me before? He did not know how the world is simplified for kings. To them, all men are subjects. Approach so that I may see you better, said the king, who felt consumingly proud of being at last the king over somebody. The little prince looked everywhere to find a place to sit down, but the entire planet was crammed and obstructed by the king's magnificent ermine robe. So he remained standing upright, and since he was tired, he yawned. It is contrary to etiquette to yawn in the presence of a king, the monarch said to him. I forbid you to do so. I can't help it, I can't stop myself, replied the little prince, thoroughly embarrassed. I have come on a long journey, and I have had no sleep. Ah, then, the king said, I order you to yawn. It is years since I have seen anyone yawning. Yawns to me are objects of curiosity. Come on now, yawn again. It is an order. That frightens me. I cannot anymore, murmured the little prince, now completely abashed. Hum, hum, replied the king. Then, I order you to yawn sometimes and sometimes too. He spluttered a little and seemed vexed. For what the king fundamentally insisted upon was that his authority should be respected. He tolerated no disobedience. He was an absolute monarch. But because he was a very good man, he made his orders reasonable. If I ordered a general, he would say, by way of example, if I ordered a general to change himself into a seabird, And if the general did not obey me, that would not be the fault of the general. It would be my fault. May I sit down? Came now a timid inquiry from the little prince. I order you to do so, the king answered him, and majestically gathered in the fold of his ermine mantle. But the little prince was wondering. The planet was tiny. Over what could this king really rule? Sire, he said to him. I beg that you will excuse my asking you a question. I order you to ask me a question, the king hastened to assure him. Sire, over what do you rule? Over everything, said the king with magnificent simplicity. Over everything? The king made a gesture, which took in his planet, the other planets, and all the stars. Over all that? asked the little prince. Over all that, the king answered. For his rule was not only absolute, 
it was also universal. And the stars obey you? Certainly they do, the king said. They obey instantly. I do not permit insubordination. Such power was a thing for the little prince to marvel at. If he had been master of such complete authority, he would have been able to watch the sunset not 40 times in one day, but 72 or even 100 or even 200 times without even having to move his chair. And because he felt a bit sad as he remembered his little planet which he had forsaken, he plucked up his courage to ask the king a favor. I should like to see a sunset. Do me that kindness. Order the sun to set. If I ordered a general to fly from one flower to another like a butterfly, or to write a tragic drama, or to change himself into a seabird, and if that general did not carry out the order that he had received, which one of us would be in the wrong? The king demanded. The general or myself? You, said the prince firmly. Exactly. One must require from each one the duty which each one can perform, the king went on. Accepted authority rests first of all on reason. If you ordered your people to go and throw themselves into the sea, they would rise up in revolution. I have the right to require obedience because my orders are reasonable. Then my sunset, the little prince reminded him, for he never forgot a question once he had asked it. You shall have your sunset, I shall command it. But according to my science of government, I shall wait until conditions are favorable. When will that be? inquired the little prince. Hum, hum, replied the king. And before saying anything else, he consulted a bulky almanac. Hum, hum, that will be about, about, that will be this evening. About twenty minutes to eight. And you will see how well I am obeyed. The little prince yawned. He was regretting his lost sunset, and then too, he was already beginning to be a little bored. I have nothing more to do here, he said to the king, so I shall set out on my way again. Do not go, said the king, who was very proud of having a subject. Do not go. I will make you a minister. Minister of what? A minister of justice. But there is nobody here to judge. We do not know that, the king said to him. I have not yet made a complete tour of my kingdom. I am very old. There is no room here for a carriage, and it tires me to walk. Oh! But I have all looked already, said the little prince, turning around to give one more glance to the other side of the planet. On that side, as on this, there was nobody at all. Then you shall judge yourself, the king answered. That is the most difficult thing of all. It is much more difficult to judge oneself than to judge others. If you succeed in judging yourself rightly, then you are indeed a man of true wisdom. Yes, said the little prince, but I can judge myself anywhere. I do not need to live on this planet. Hum, hum, said the king. I have good reason to believe that somewhere on my planet there is an old rat. I hear him at night. You can judge this old rat. From time to time you will condemn him to death, thus your life will depend on your justice. But you will pardon him on each occasion, for he must be treated thriftily. He is the only one we have. I, replied the little prince. Do not like to condemn anyone to death. And now, I think I will go on my way. No, said the king. But the little prince, having now completed his preparations for departure, had no wish to grieve the old monarch. If your majesty wishes to be promptly obeyed, he said, he should be able to give me a reasonable order. 
you should be able, for example, to order me to be gone by the end of one minute. It seems to me that conditions are favorable. As the king made no answer, the little prince hesitated a moment. Then with a sigh, he took his leave. I make you my ambassador, said the king cried out hastily. He had a magnificent air of authority. The grown-ups are very strange, the little prince said to himself, as he continued on his journey. The second planet was inhabited by a conceited man. Ah, ah, I am about to receive a visit from an admirer, he exclaimed from afar. When he first saw the little prince coming, for to conceited men, all other men are admirers. Good morning, said the little prince. That is a hat you are wearing. It is a hat for salutes, the conceited man replied. It is to raise and salute when people acclaim me. Unfortunately, nobody at all passes this way. Yes, said the little prince, who did not understand what the conceited man was talking about. Clap your hands one against the other, the conceited man now directed him. The little prince clapped his hands. The conceited man raised his hat in a modest salute. This is more entertaining than the visit to the king, the little prince said to himself. And he began again to clap his hands one against the other. The conceited man again raised his hat in salute. After five minutes of this exercise, the little prince grew tired of the game's monotony. And what should one do to make the hat come down, he asked. But the conceited man did not hear him. Conceited people never hear anything but praise. Do you really admire me very much? He demanded of the little prince. What does that mean, admire? To admire means that you regard me as the handsomest, the best dressed, the richest, and the most intelligent man on this planet. But you are the only one on this planet. Do me this kindness. Admire me just the same. I admire you, said the little prince, shrugging his shoulders slightly. But what is there in you that to interest you so much? And the little prince went away. The grown-ups are certainly very odd, he said to himself, as he continued on his journey. The next planet was inhabited by a tippler. This was a very short visit, but it plunged the little prince into deep dejection. What are you doing there? he said to the tippler, whom he found settled down in silence before a collection of empty bottles and also a collection of full bottles. I am drinking, replied the tippler, with a lugubrious air. Why are you drinking? demanded the little prince. So that I may forget, replied the tippler. Forget what? inquired the little prince, who already was sorry for him. Forget that I am ashamed, the tippler confessed, hanging his head. Ashamed of what? insisted the little prince, who wanted to help him. Ashamed of drinking! The tippler brought the speech to an end and shut himself up in an impregnable silence. And the little prince went away, puzzled. The grown-ups are certainly very, very odd, he said to himself as he continued on his journey. The fourth planet belonged to a businessman. This man was so much occupied that he did not even raise his head at the little prince's arrival. Good morning, the little prince said to him. Your cigarette has gone out. 3 and 2 make 5, 5 and 7 make 12, 12 and 3 make 15, good morning, 15 and 7 make 22, 22 and 6 make 28, I haven't time to light it again, 26 and 5 make 31, phew, 
then that makes 501,622,731. 500 million what? Asked the little prince. Eh, are you still there? 501 million, I can't stop. I have so much to do. I am concerned with matters of consequence. I don't amuse myself with balderdash. 2 and 5 make 7. 501 million what? Repeated the little prince, who never in his life had let go of a question once he had asked it. The businessman raised his head. During the 54 years that I have inhabited this planet, I have been disturbed only three times. The first time was 22 years ago when some giddy goose fell from goodness knows where. He made the most frightful noise that resounded all over the place, and I made four mistakes in my addition. The second time, 11 years ago, I was disturbed by an attack of rheumatism. I don't get enough exercise. I have no time for loafing. The third time, well, this is it. I was saying, then 501 millions. Millions of what? The businessman suddenly realized there was no hope of being left in peace until he answered this question. Millions of those little objects, he said. Which one sometimes sees in the sky? Flies? Oh no. Little glittering objects. Bees? Oh no. Little golden objects that set lazy men to idle dreaming. As for me, I am concerned with matters of consequence. There is no time for idle dreaming in my life. Ah, you mean the stars? Yes, that is it. Stars. And what do you do with 500 millions of stars? 501,622,731. I'm concerned with matters of consequence. I am accurate. And what do you do with these stars? What do I do with them? Yes. Nothing. I own them. You own the stars. Yes. But I have already seen a king who kings do not own, they reign over, it is a very different matter. And what good does it do you to own the stars? It does me the good of making me rich. And what good does it do you to be rich? It makes it possible for me to buy more stars, if any are discovered. This man, the little prince said to himself, reasons like my poor tippler. Nevertheless, he still has some questions. How is it possible for one to own the stars? To whom do they belong? The businessman retorted, peevishly. I don't know, to nobody. Then they belong to me, because I was the first person to think of it. Is that all that is necessary? Certainly. When you find a diamond that belongs to nobody, it is yours. When you discover an island that belongs to nobody, it is yours. When you get an idea before anyone else, you take out a patent on it, it is yours. So with me, I own the stars, because nobody else before me ever thought of owning them. Yes, that is true, said the little prince. And what do you do with them? I administer them, replied the businessman. I count them and recount them. It is difficult, but I am a man who is naturally interested in matters of consequence. The little prince was still not satisfied. If I owned a silk scarf, he said, I could put it around my neck and take it away with me. If I owned a flower, I could pluck that flower and take it with me. 
but you can't pluck the stars from heaven. No, but I can't put them in the bank. Whatever does that mean? That means that I write the number of my stars on a little paper, and then I put this paper in a drawer and lock it with the key. And that is all? That is enough, said the businessman. It is entertaining, thought the little prince. It is rather poetic, but it is of no great consequence. On matters of consequence, the little prince had ideas which were very different from those of the grown-ups. I myself own a flower, he continued his conversation with the businessman, which I water every day. I own three volcanoes, which I clean out every week, for I also clean out the ones that is extinct, one never knows. It is of some use to my volcanoes, and it is of some use to my flower, that I own them. But you are of no use to the stars, the businessman opened his mouth. But he found nothing to say in answer and the little prince went away the grown-ups are certainly altogether extraordinary he said simply talking to himself as he continued on his journey the fifth planet was very strange it was the smallest of all there was just enough room on it for a street lamp and a lamp lighter the little prince was not able to reach any explanation of the use of a street lamp and a lamp lighter somewhere in the heavens on a planet which was so small that it had no people and not one house. But he said to himself, nevertheless, it may well be that this man is absurd, but he's not so absurd as the king, the conceited man, the businessman, and the tippler. For at least his work has some meaning. When he lights a street lamp, it is as if he bought one more star to life, or one flower. When he puts out his lamp, he sends the flower to start asleep. That is a beautiful occupation. And since it is beautiful, it is truly useful. When he arrived on the planet, he respectfully saluted the lamplighter. Good morning, sir. Why have you just put out your lamp? Those are the orders, replied the lamplighter. Good morning. What are the orders? The orders are that I put out my lamp. Good evening. And he lighted his lamp again. But why have you just lighted it again? Those are the orders, replied the lamp lighter. I do not understand, said the little prince. There is nothing to understand, said the lamp lighter. Orders are orders. Good morning. And he put out his lamp. Then he mopped his forehead with a handkerchief, decorated with red squares. I follow a terrible profession. In the old days, it was reasonable. I put the lamp out in the morning, and in the evening it was light again. I had the rest of the day for relaxation, and the rest of the night for sleep. And the orders have been changed since that time? The orders have not been changed, said the lamplighter. That is the tragedy. From year to year, the planet has turned more rapidly, and the orders have not been changed. Then what? asked the little prince. Then... The planet now makes a complete turn every minute, and I no longer have a single second for repose. Once every minute, I have to light my lamp and put it out. That is very funny. A day lasts only one minute, here where you live. It is not funny at all, said the lamplighter. While we have been talking together, a month has gone by. A month? Yes, a month. 
30 minutes, 30 days. Good evening. And he lighted his lamp again. As the little prince watched him, he felt that he loved this lamplighter, who was faithful to his orders. He remembered the sunsets which he himself had gone to seek. In other days, merely by pulling up his chair, and he wanted to help his friend. You know, he said, I can tell you a way you can rest whenever you want to. I always want to rest, said the lamplighter, for it is possible for a man to be faithful and lazy at the same time. The little prince went on with his explanation. Your planet is so small that three strides will take you all the way around it. To be always in the sunshine, you need only walk along rather slowly. When you want to rest, you will walk and the day will last as long as you like. That doesn't do me much good, said the lamplighter. The one thing I love in life is to sleep. Then you're unlucky, said the little prince. I am unlucky, said the lamplighter. Good morning. And he put out his lamp. That man, said the little prince to himself. As he continued further on his journey, that man would be scorned by all the others. By the king, by the conceited man, by the tippler, by the businessman. Nevertheless, he is the only one of them all who does not seem to me ridiculous. Perhaps that is because he is thinking of something else besides himself. He breathed a sigh of regret and said to himself again, That man is the only one of them all whom I could have made my friend. But his planet is indeed too small. There is no room on it for two people. What the little prince did not dare confess was that he was sorry most of all to leave this planet because it was blessed every day with 1,440 sunsets. That was Enzo Gaston reading a portion of his favorite book, the Little Prince by Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. Join us again next time as we read bedtime classics that will help you find peace and calm. May you be at ease, may you be calm, and may peace be upon you. <laughs>